Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Nigel Williams-Goss, a former point guard for Gonzaga. Last time he was there, he got them to a Final Four and a national title appearance. Nigel Williams-Goss, he sounds like a British guy. <laughs> Doesn't sound like an, uh, a college basketball point guard that's playing in the title game against Joel Berry. The Nigel Williams Goss, also former Washington point guard as well. Big Pacific Northwest guy. Guy loves the state of Washington. Fucking loves Washington. <laughs> Is he from no, Washington? I'd have to assume so, right? That would actually be amazing. What if oh, Nigel he's, Williams? He's from Oregon. Goss, he's from Oregon. Wow, did Oregon mm. dirty then, huh? Yeah. yeah so think- Pacific Northwest guy. It would be funny though if he was from somewhere in like the Midwest. And he just said, well, I'm going to transfer, but I just love Washington so much. Oh yeah. Just great guy. Great guy. NWG subscribes. So you should as well. <laughs> He's got Northwest in his name. Actually. Now that I think about it, NW- <laughs> North, by, North by Northwest. Nigel Williams. God. Yeah. <laughs> Check out the website at the barnburner.com. That's the dash barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis.
All right, we got no shark today, so it's just me and Taylor. Taylor, I was in Dayton this past weekend, took in a UD game, a flyer game. They're very good, by the way. They are Mm -hmm. a top 15 team. Rothstein tweeted out a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple days ago, actually, that Dayton believes that this might be one of their best teams ever. And having seen them live, having seen Obi Toppin live, I might tend to agree with them. Now, the bar isn't that high for Dayton basketball in terms of how great some of their teams are. But the arena suite, uh, it's it's kind of like, I mean, if I were to if I were to use a Rothsteinism for Dayton, what's a good one? I would just say like where it's like the United Nations. I don't know. Everyone comes there, right? Because there's they, they host all the play-in games. Like, so a, a million other schools have been there before, mm-hmm. I feel like, including Dayton themselves. I don't know how they got a playing game in their own arena. But uh, the arena suite, they have their own uh, – they have their, like, little light show that they do pregame. The coolest part of the arena, though, is what they call the flight deck. It's just this bar atop uh, the, the court, and it's, like, overlooking the court. It's pretty sweet. It's got a lot of, a lot of drink varieties, and – before I bring you in here, I want to also highlight that I was able to see Obi Toppin uh, come down with one of the most majestic rebounds I've ever seen in my entire life. This guy makes the game look so smooth. Like he just glided in the air and it was almost like a cockback dunk, but instead of dunking it, he was getting a defensive rebound and he just like glided back down. And I swear I've never been a part of a crowd that has seen a rebound and kind of gasped. At the same time, like everyone just looked at each other. I think everyone in Dayton was saying to themselves, this is probably the best player that has ever come through this basketball program. And just a rebound made everyone catch their breath. But Dayton's a cool city, man. Cool arena. You uh, clearly you're you love it. Um, Do you think Dayton do you think people think higher of their program because they get to play in game every year? So they're like mentioned more often in like March Madness than a team of their kind of like uh, of their actual success. And they suddenly get, you know, like there's a lot of name cachet that comes with Dayton probably higher than what their success would suggest, maybe because they get to play in game and they're, you know, for two days in a row, we hear nothing about, or we, we hear nothing, but, at Dayton's Arena, at Dayton's Arena, at Dayton's Arena. And I think that might give them a little bit of a boost when it comes to like where they sit from a national like notoriety. I mean, they've only they've made one Elite Eight in the last 30 years. They've made two sweet sixteens in the last forty years. It's not like it's not like they have you know a ton of success. So obviously they're on a pretty good streak here uh, as of late over the last Oh, 10 years or so with uh, Archie Miller. And then they had, took a took a few off. Now they back, so to speak, with Anthony Grant there. But yeah, Obi Toppin, he's got, you know, off the top of my head, off the top end of my head, he's got to be, the, yeah, thank you, thank you. He's got to be the best player that's ever come through Dayton, right? I think so. Right. I can't and, really name. I mean, I think they have a player drafted from a couple of years ago, maybe. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd have to put a lot more effort into uh going back through their history but even on that team that went to the elite eight um that beat ohio state there a couple of years ago i'm really trying to think of who was on that team i just remember it being archie as the coach because archie and sean could have met in the final four right 
Yeah, and then what happened? Well, yeah, I mean, they both <laughs> they did what Millers do. But uh, I, yeah. I'd agree with you in terms of the name cachet thing because I was talking to my brother-in-law's brother. He's a great guy. Love him. They're all they're huge Dayton fans. They all went to UD. But he was trying to tell me because Jay Billis said it was the best atmosphere or best arena in college basketball that it, like he he was trying to have a hypothetical of all right well what's better rup arena or ud i'm like rup like <laughs> i don't care what jay billis says in terms of like the be- it might be the best arena but in terms of atmosphere where i want to catch a game i don't want to go to ud stadium i'd rather go to rough yeah i'm looking here and it, it says that uh their the value of their basketball program specifically is actually higher than florida texas and michigan they have like the 23rd most valuable basketball program in the country. And that's, I wonder how much of that has to do with the play-in games. I have to think I, a lot. I wonder, right? I wonder what the revenue split is on something like that. But um, yeah, really interesting. I mean, it's, it is a sneaky um, home court advantage and a, a sneaky basketball program really. But because I think if you ask just kind of like, a normal person. Hey, what's a better basketball program? Like Xavier Dayton. I think just not people who don't know anything would, you'd probably get like a 50, 50 split where Xavier is a 10,000 times better basketball program, but just for some reason that Dayton, Oh yeah, that's where they play the ends, the playing games. It, it, it elevates uh, their status in people's minds, I think. So yeah, that's my, th- welcome to my Ted talk on, uh, on Dayton Flyer or our TED talk on Dayton Flyers basketball here. Yeah, I, it was it was a good time though. I, I really enjoyed their stadium. They know how to host. Yeah, that's a, and really that's that's what it's all about. The bar situation sounds ideal. Well, so but that's the, the thing. How, what do we have? Some are we are we good on solid drink prices as well? Oh yeah, we're in Ohio, baby. <laughs> that's what, yeah, right. yeah. That's, what, that's what I was getting at. So, are, will you be returning to Dayton for another basketball game sometime? I'd be down. Yeah. I, I'm I'm more than open to doing that. Like I said, the flight deck. First of all, it has a cool name. Obviously, they're called the yeah. Flyers. You got right. got to have some sort of neat name along with it. But uh, we, I mean, we watched the entire game, or the excuse me, this entire second half from the flight deck, right? So we well, watched it was a monster the, blowout, right? Exactly. So yeah, right. in the first the first 15 minutes of the game, we were in our seats, and it was a relatively competitive game. But then towards the end of the first half. Dayton started to pull away and I think they were up 12 or 14 going into half. So I was like, fuck this. Let's just go up there, check out the flight deck and get drunk. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, it's a very, very cool place to, to catch a ball game. So if you're ever in the, I think Southwest part of Ohio, I think that's Southwest. <laughs> I don't know. Like, let's, our, ask, our, let's ask Nigel Williams, Goss. Maybe he can line us out here. He's a Northwest guy, man. <laughs> He's a Northwest guy, and I know my my brother in law is going to be really upset when he listens to this. But I think it's in Southwest Ohio. Whatever. If you're ever in the Dayton area, go check out the stadium. I was also in Cincinnati, which is only about 45 minutes away from Dayton. Very underrated city, uh, Cincinnati is. And actually, it's funny. I feel like they have this unspoken beef with the city of Charlotte. Reason being is because, well, Dayton and uh, Charlotte because. Dayton apparently is the first in flight and you know, North Carolina claims that they're first in flight. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's gospel then. I agree. I always say that fuck it. North Carolina's first in flight, <laughs> but apparently that's factually incorrect, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Preston Blake on that. 
But in addition to that, Cincinnati is called the Queen City, but so is Charlotte. Mm. So there's beef there between Southwest, I think, Ohio, and North Carolina. This is this is incredible program right now. Um, let me go back for one second. Jim Paxson went to Dayton, so Jim Paxson is probably their best player of all time. All right, hug for Jim Paxson. Yeah, people hate him now, though. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, you have actually spoken about Cincinnati to me multiple times. I have not been to that area of the country, Cleveland, Cincinnati. Uh, the Rust Belt, really much in my life. So I have to take your word for it. What would you? Can you give me a comparable city to Cincinnati? Is there is there a comparable like West Coast city to Cincinnati? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, it's its own. It's its own guy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Seattle. Just in terms of like walking around and bar scene things like that. Okay. Maybe. I, I guarantee you anyone from Ohio and or Seattle listening to this will probably be like, Cincinnati is nothing like Seattle. And I've only been to both places twice. So I don't know. Cincinnati might just be its own thing. Okay. Gotcha. Cincinnati is one of those places too, where you look at the, uh, you look at the population and you're like 300,000. That can't be true. Small, small city, but there's like 2 million people in the area. So uh, that's kind of like Seattle. Seattle actually is only like listed at 500,000 or something like that. I think you're onto something here. I might be. And <laughs> the craziest part is how close Cincinnati is to Kentucky. I mean, you literally fly into Kentucky technically. Right. It's that's right there it, on right. the uh-huh. border. Yeah. So a lot of good, a lot of good times there in Dayton and Cincinnati. Thank you for hosting me. UD arena it was a, it was a fantastic experience, but let's dive in here uh, to the show Injuries headlining the past week, Taylor, and Cole Anthony and Miles Powell, both out. It seems to be indefinitely. Miles Powell with a scary, scary concussion. Cole Cole Anthony out four to six weeks, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, with a knee injury. And so this is kind of like, since we're in the Christmas spirit, this is like Home Alone 3, this college basketball season right now, (laughs) because nobody's any good. Uh except for who I, I believe is Kansas, and I was going to say Ohio State, but they lost to Minnesota. But nobody's really any good, and we're missing our stars. Cole Anthony, Miles Powell, who I had – Miles Powell, I had Big East Player of the Year. Cole Anthony, clearly the best player on North Carolina and potentially a top-five pick in the draft. It's like Home Alone 3 because they were supposed to be our, our uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, and they're out. <laughs> So now we're getting some bums replacing them, and it stinks. So this Cole Anthony, Miles Powell, both of these injuries just really sucks for the game. Uh, any thoughts on on these two guys going down? Yeah, it's you would say that they're two of the top probably 10 players in the country. Uh, North Carolina is screwed. They're done for. They're going to get bundled, I think, hopefully, as I say this. They're going to get bundled at Gonzaga. Kind of sucks a little bit. Um, you know, if you're Gonzaga or if you're a fan of college basketball, because here, you know, North Carolinas of the world don't go play at little arenas in Spokane, Washington, all that often. And this is now like the worst Carolina team of the last decade, even with Cole Anthony. And now without him, they're going to get smoked uh, by Gonzaga, in my opinion. I can't wait to be wrong about this uh, and get smoked myself on, on Twitter 
by the host of this program, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, really, really unfortunate for Seton Hall too, because those two teams are kind of similar in a way where they're a lot of a one man show carrying the load. And I don't, uh, isn't, um, whatever that other guy's name for. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, he's out for weeks too. I mean, yeah, that team is going to be really struggling in my estimation over the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I love the home alone three reference and it really is kind of a, it's just, I, I don't really have a good way to describe this college basketball year so far. Weird. Um, I, I hate to even use this word, but almost underwhelming in a way, because there's just, I was thinking today leading up to this program, last year, we talked about college basketball all, almost all year and because of Zion and that recruiting class. And it was, in, in my estimation, a really good college basketball season, whatever, you know, it, obviously Zion held a lot of that, but there was more going on than just Zion, obviously. You know, we this year's recruiting class that came in, there's not a ton of stars, not a ton of NBA. I mean, there's NBA talent, but not not like surefire number one picks and things like that. I, I, I don't like to use underwhelming, especially as the co-host of a college basketball podcast. But there hasn't been a lot to really hang our hat on to say like, Oh, this has been awesome, or this matchup is going to be awesome. There have been awesome matchups, you know, but even like even that Michigan Oregon game this last weekend, which was an awesome game, that's already Michigan. It's already their third loss of the year. You know, that was kind of the story for the first couple of weeks. It's oh man, Michigan, they're super dope. You know, they came in and beat everybody, and now they've lost three times since then. You know, and so uh, a little underwhelming as, say, an Arizona fan as well, losing both of our really big games that we've had this year. Albeit in close fashion, um, in 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 entertaining games, I think this is a type of season so far that uh, it's not going to make a lot of national uh, people turn their heads, especially with the NFL being so good this year and so entertaining this year, especially at the top of the NFC and AFC. But this is definitely that classic type of year where people are going to wake up on February fifth and go, "Oh, so that's the number one basketball team in the country. Cool." Here, let's start on. Whereas last year, like you said, you had Zion leading even like Sunday broadcasts of SportsCenter during the, during the uh, NFL season. Zion drew Barack Obama. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm completely with you in the sense that I do believe it is an underwhelming type of season. I'm okay with that. And the thing that sucks the most about it is, I mean, I'll still watch these games, obviously, because we love it. Oh, yeah, right. But there's always these NBA hardos, right? These NBA fans that are just like, y'all watch this sport. You guys watch this in, 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 uh, in lieu of the NBA. It's like, honestly, yeah, this is a, I mean, obviously we know it's a, it's a worse product, but that's the fun of it, but it's so they're like, bad. They're, like gate, it like, they're like gatekeeping basketball, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> continue on though. No, I mean, I, I agree. It's just, it's been, it's been very tepid, lukewarm, and we don't have a, a star that we can – there's no one that's like appointment television. That was actually Miles Powell. That, And we thought we may have had that with Tyrese Maxey after his performance in MSG. And that might have been us just jumping the gun, which is what we obviously love to do. But <laughs> there's there's just not appointment television like there was last year. I mean, look at Gonzaga as a perfect example of this. 
I bet you not one person, even a sports person in the country, can name someone outside of Killian Tilly on Gonzaga. They're the number two team in the country. I mean, there's there there aren't stars, and plus you can't pronounce half their fucking names either, which is part of the problem. Um, Martinez Arlauskas, uh, Pavel Zakharov, you know, Philippe. I like I do like my man Philippe Petrusev, but um, yeah, and you look at even Kansas, you know, you. Azubuki's a star, but not there's Izzy. You know he's a star he's in a our minds. Basketball star, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, Jordan uh, Nawara is a star, but he's not bringing eyes to the, anybody. You know, the Wessons on Ohio State—they're not bringing by Duke. Doesn't really have anybody that's you're like, oh, that's a surefire NBA player I want on my team. You know, I mean, their best player, quote unquote, best player or most important player is someone who I don't even think is good anyway, Trey Jones. And so I, I wonder how, who's going to, someone's going to come to the forefront. I, I think, I, because someone has to go on a run. Maybe it's Garza. Maybe Luca Garza sweeps the nation, but what it really is going to end up being is, and I, and this is what's going to be the mo the, the payoff to this kind of mediocre start to the season is, this should mean that the tournament is wide the fuck open, which means that like every game should be sick and someone like from an Arkansas or, you know, one of those teams that's like a bubble team should be able to sweep through and become a star in March Madness. We just really are not going to be able to pick that person out at this point because there's just so much of, I guess, even playing field right now yeah i think right now we are dufraining which is something i never thought we'd say during the season dufraining is for crawling through the shit of the summer but right now we're just trying to get through to the new year to conference play when there's going to be rivalry games at stake and then on to conference tournaments and then of course as you had mentioned the wide open ncaa tournament which watch like the blue bloods are going to rise to the top yet again. But that, that I do yeah. think that Kansas has arrived. Kansas is the best team in the country right now. But uh, losing Cole Anthony, losing Miles Powell is a killer. And it's not just short-term injuries where we can say, oh, they'll be back in a week or so. They're only going to miss a couple games. These guys, I don't know when Miles Powell is going to be back. Apparently he said, what did he say at practice? They were playing Rutgers. And he said at practice, he's, he goes, uh, why are we practicing at Rutgers? That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that's like an NFL CTE type injury, man, not college basketball. <laughs> and then you got Cole that's Anthony. Cra- that's crazy. That's <laughs> bad. That's so bad. And then you got Cole Anthony, who is is trying his darndest to carry a blue blood on his back. And North Carolina, they might be in jeopardy of even missing the tournament, which is kind of sacrilegious and insane to say, but they just might. No, they seriously could. They are, uh, they don't have anybody else to carry that team at all. There's going to be, I mean, they can't go through the, uh, you know, Virginia's Dukes, Louisville's, Florida State's of the world right now because those teams are. All way more talented. I'm they re- can't even get through a Wofford at home. Get the the oh, yeah, no shit. Uh, the only way that they're going to survive is that they don't play the f- current four best teams in the ACC right now until February. I think you had mentioned that last episode too. Right. So that is going to be uh, 
they're only saving grace in this situation. But I really don't. I I, I think you're if you wanted to be make a blunt statement and say I don't think I straight up don't think North Carolina is going to make the tournament. I I wouldn't argue against that I, I, at this point. I'm going to hold off on on saying that because of Roy and because of their their name. I think if they only lose, let's say, 11, 12 games, they'll still get in. And let's say if they string together a couple couple games in the ACC tournament, they'll still get in on name alone, and Cole Anthony will be back. And that obviously depends on if he wants to play. Uh, but I, I'm, not, I'm not yet ready to say that Carolina is going to be out, but they're certainly in jeopardy of, of doing that. And they're going to lose tonight, so or excuse me, last night. Yeah, I mean, Leaky Black isn't leading this team to the tournament. Yeah, I mean, that's just... Leading them in the all-team name, though. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and that's the only kind of saving grace of Cole Anthony in, in the sense that, like, he can straight up win a game on his own. So if they are a bubble type of team and they need two wins in the ACC tournament, like, Cole Anthony can beat Boston College on his own. Like, that's not a problem, you know? And so if it's almost like... Uh, um, oh, who I'm trying to think of. It's almost like a, a Kemba Walker situation is what it'll end up being. And, you know, the, when Kemba Walker and UConn won the national championship, they were not in the tournament right. leading up to the Big East tournament. And he went through and <laughs> literally led the, carried the team to a national championship. So am I, am I saying that Cole Anthony is going to do that? No, but I am saying that he has the ability that if they're in that position, they can do that. So, um, I, I would still say that they're in danger of missing the tournament, but at least if Cole Anthony comes back, you make a good point. I was going to bring this up, though. So if you're Cole Anthony, you're a surefire top five pick in the draft right now. It's kind of same thing with Wiseman, and I'll talk about Wiseman here in a second. What Six weeks is what? We're, we're middle of December, so February 1st. That's a month and a half left in the college basketball season at that point do you risk your pro, especially because your dad was an NBA player. So he knows the game and how to play the game. And I'm talking about the game, like outside of the court, like how to get yourself into the NBA. Do you even come back? I don't, if I'm Cole Anthony, I wouldn't strictly because of the injury. I think his situation is different than Wiseman's. I actually sure. think this lines up perfectly for Wiseman because he's not hurt. And if you told James, you don't have to go a full season. You can kind of just use, the first half of 2020 as a dress rehearsal and get ready for the draft. I think he'd take that. So Wiseman's not hurt. I would, I would come back if I was James Wiseman. Uh, if I were Cole Anthony, no. And I said this with Zion last year and people thought I was, I was an idiot, but I was like, I wouldn't come back if I was Zion after blowing through my shoe. Obviously right. Zion's not, I mean, he's built differently. Zion wanted to come back. He loves Duke. He loves coach. Built Bay. different. Yeah. He, maybe to, to a fault, honestly. <laughs> physically but he came back and that's fine too i'm I, I i said basically i don't care either way but if it were me and i was zion with so much riding on this i i wouldn't come back and him coming back it didn't really hurt him he's he's done well but cole anthony you know i again it's the same as zion last year i'd, I'd sit out with a knee injury especially as a point guard um Right. I mean, yeah, just just take your draft value. But Wiseman, I'd actually come back. Um, so turning to James Wiseman here for a second, we haven't talked about him in a couple of weeks. Um, and Memphis is 
is treading water and actually trending up even right now without they're um, doing well Wiseman. yeah they only have huge one win on the road they just beat tennessee on the road um so I, I think any doubts that we had about them being good outside of james wiseman are are gone in my opinion but uh to echo back to our first thing we were talking about about the season needing a star james wiseman coming back the first week or when is it the first week of january is going to be the ideal situation for him to like save the college basketball season in a way he's going to come back right as the nfl's turning down and right as you get through kind of those dog days of the nba season um where you know we're just kind of treading water until the all-star break and he can blast back onto the scene and kind of lead memphis to the tournament and i think he could be the star that we need to like hang our hat on here in the college basketball season i think his really his timing of when he's coming back will actually work in his favor from a national notoriety situation because i think if none of the ncaa stuff would have happened you know, half the people in the country wouldn't even know who James Wiseman is. Now, when they come back, they're going to say, oh, the NCAA guy is back. We might need to tune in and see if he was actually good, whatever. And so I think Wiseman coming back in a, less than a month from now uh, will actually be kind of the savior of our national notoriety for college basketball. This Please week. come save us, James. I need someone to watch, like, as an individual. I'll obviously watch these these teams, but I need someone that I can just pinpoint and – you know, watch. I, I want someone to dominate a game, and that actually might yeah, be Garza right. right now. He just doesn't have the name, <laughs> the, the name appeal. He doesn't have the sex appeal with those eyebrows. He also doesn't have. You know, he plays for Iowa. Garza though is dominating basketball games. He's just averaging a double double, dropping forty plus points. That might be our guy, but he doesn't. He doesn't they put are, asses in the seats. There, I'm going to bring this up again, and I'm going to. I'm. I'm about to the point where I'm going to die on this hill. Iowa is so criminally underrated this year. It's unbelievable. They're still not ranked. And they beat the absolute piss out of Iowa State <laughs> yeah. on the road. And, and Minnesota. Game. Their only losses still are, uh, Is it what did they lose to uh, DePaul earlier this year? D- there's like yeah. DePaul, and San Diego State, and Michigan. SDSU is undefeated too. <laughs> yeah, and they're still not ranked. But you've got teams like, you know, I mean, Texas Tech, I'll be – Albeit they were in the Final Four last year, they have three losses this year. Michigan State's got three losses. Michigan's got three losses. Obviously, have some good wins, but the fact that even North Carolina gets more, God has got more votes for them than Iowa this week is just ridiculous. Because I, Iowa is gonna be like a five seed in the tournament right now, and that is a hundred percent a team that I would take to like the elite eight at this point, depending on their matchup, because I think they're that good. And I think Garza is that good. And I think it's ridiculous that they, it's, it really goes to show as we continually gripe on college basketball writers, it really goes to show that nobody's watching these games. So if, uh, if, if you think uh, Iowa is the 30th best team in the country in a, in a, in a year where nobody is good, there are certainly not 29 better teams in Iowa right now, in my estimation. Theater and College Hoops is now officially a Iowa supporting podcast. I will be tweeting breaking news. This is a Garza, yeah. This is a Garza podcast. This is an Iowa Hawkeyes podcast. This is a Fran McCaffrey podcast. Get these boys ranked. We're going to start the petition. All right, we will lead the drive, and alongside Garza's play, we'll get we'll get Iowa ranked. We'll get us ranked. 
Can you, yeah, us, thank you. Can we change the name of the podcast to like Theater and Corn Basketball? We don't have to change like the acronym, but I think Corn Basketball. Yeah, that's fine. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. This is until they're ranked. We'll we'll change it to Theater and Corn Hoops. I should have like cut my mustache back in again and been like, I'm only growing this back until Iowa is in the top 25. Damn it. Yeah. All right. So perfect. After this, after we tape this, I will change the Twitter handle to theater and corn hoops. And that will be the handle until they're ranked. This is a, <laughs> this is a hill. I'm, you know, what, what did they, what is the old saying? The old I'm, adage? I'm, I'm willing to die on this hill. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're plus, we're Preston Blaking for Iowa, but also, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. This is, this is Garza's country right now. So, uh, <laughs> look for that moving forward. Um, it, it also doesn't hurt or help that Jordan Bohannon is going to be out for the rest of the year. Boss move. Oh, <laughs> that's also what we should talk about real quick. How did the shark, the shark's not here to defend himself, but he didn't like the move from Jordan Bohannon to sign his sneakers and leave it on the court at, at Iowa state. And he had, he had likened it to Gabe York doing that to uh, ASU. And I'm like, well, Gabe York, I think owned ASU during his tenure. It feels as if Iowa, I don't know the exact stats or the win loss record during Jordan Bohannon's time, but it feels like Iowa has owned Iowa state. And three, I, and, it, three and one, three yeah, and one, three and one. So yeah. I, I love the move, signing the shoe, leaving it in your rival's arena. And I also feel like Bahannon knew that this was probably his last game before he was done for the season. So why not just go out like this? Hat tip to Jordan Bahannon. Yeah, uh, I'm. I can't wait to get on Fanatics after this and order like a Hawkeyes hat shirt. There's a lot of a lot of Hawkeyes here in Phoenix for sure. Uh, sat next to George Kittle's wife's uncle on the plane a couple weeks ago he's from he's a hawkeye and i love george kittle so i maybe i'm and i am a packer fan i isn't everyone in iowa a packer fan pretty much border state situation i is this heaven subi well once arizona no, flames iowa. Out. could you could you finish the the idiom for me there come on is this heaven subi no it's iowa that's i i can't i couldn't love this podcast anymore this well idi- hold on idiom i think is is using or like your ass isn't it not it not idiom whatever the well, we whatever. don't want to contaminate the brains of the theater goers but okay true this is yeah clearly in an iowa podcast moving forward uh <laughs> let's talk arizona losing to gonzaga these goddamn assholes i i'm glad i didn't I didn't get bought in just yet. So the Baylor game a couple of weeks ago, I said, all right, this is cause for concern. And then don't, I'm sorry, don't let the final score. Yeah. Right. Tricks on you. This was, this was kind of a beat down, especially in the second half. They were good in the first half, second half. They let it get away from them. I will pause and say that Gonzaga is a really good fucking team. Number yeah. two in the country, clearly the best team in the West coast, but Nico Mannion, bruh. Not his uh, clearly his worst performance of of the year. He was seen shooting uh, some shots, getting some shots up post game, but in the two biggest games of the year, Chase Jeter lays, lays an egg, and then Nico Mannion lays an egg. At what point do we say like it's not just anomalies where some of our be- better players or our starters don't play well, and we say okay, they can't get get production against top fifteen, top two teams. Yeah, it's I, I, you know, I am generally the grand optimist when it comes to sports and Arizona basketball, even more specifically. Uh, we'll, I think we'll get our answer to that question in 
three games from now, two games from now, when Arizona goes on the road to Oregon, and kind of like a Pac-12 decider almost in the month of January or the early part of January. Um, and that will obviously uh, have a great point guard matchup with uh, Sharks boy Peyton Pritchard and uh, our boy Nico Mannion. Now, I it doesn't concern me. Well, it concerns me that, that Chase Jeter can't rebound a basketball and also ha- is the most hesitant big man around the rim in the history of the sport. But we know that. I think what concerns me a little bit more is Nico Mannion's ability or inability to make shots in the two biggest games. Because the, the only two bad games he's had this year are Baylor and Gonzaga. Now, Baylor is generally known as a pretty good defensive team, although this year they're a little more offensively inclined than normal. Uh, Gonzaga is not really known as a defensive team, and the score would indicate that from last week, 84-80. to 80. It's a pretty high-scoring affair. Uh, it was pretty funny, though, that small comeback at the end. Because I was at a holiday party with friend of the program, Danny Doobie, or Danny Danny Dubois, the Dubes himself, on his new 86-inch TV. That thing is sweet. Um, him and Mary were hosting a nice little holiday function, and we had the Arizona game on, and a couple of Arizona people at the at the party, but everyone else was ASU or UCLA or whatever, so everybody's hating, you know. And this guy uh, had bet his, with his uh, bookie a couple hundred bucks on the Arizona game. And when Gonzaga went up, they went up 16 at one point, I believe. And uh, with about four minutes left and his bookie paid him out already on Venmo. And so when Nico Mannion hits that three to push it to like a two point lead, I was yelling. I'm like, dude, get, get back in here. And he turns around and he's like, what is going on? <laughs> but um, that uh, I, I don't know. If I would say, I think that game is more of an indication of how good Gonzaga is than maybe how how bad Arizona is, because I, I think Arizona is still going to end up being a top four seed. I don't think they're going to be a top two seed. I think they're going to be like a top four seed come tournament time. And the difference between a team like Arizona and Oregon at this point is, I think, opportunity. Because Oregon at this point is a better team than Arizona. I'm, I think that goes without saying. But what Oregon really gave itself this year is Oregon has two similar losses to this Baylor and to the Baylors and Gonzagas of the world. The problem is, is they also played like three other teams that were like that, that they picked up those type of wins, just like this Michigan win. So they have the opportunity or their ceiling when it comes to like tournament seeding. They might they don't even have to win the Pac-12 at this point to get a top two seed in the tournament, in my opinion, because you're going to look back at their um at their non-con schedule and go, oh, okay, yeah, they played a lot of they played a lot of yeah. good. Arizona's yeah, ceiling, yeah, Arizona's ceiling isn't going to be that high. They, Arizona's going to have to be like a sixteen and two record in the Pac-12 to get that type of uh, uh, recognition, and they're not going to go sixteen and two in the Pac-12. So um, I would say I, I'm guessing your thoughts are pretty similar on being a little more concerned about Nico Mannion rather than Chase Jeter. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I'm I'm just concerned about Manny's back because ever since that injury, which took place before the Baylor game, he's kind of stunk. So I'm hoping that he can he can shake off that injury. But I, and I understand what you're saying about opportunity, but these are two huge opportunities for Arizona. I, I think Baylor was completely beatable. They should have beat Baylor. 100. I'm okay with them losing to Gonzaga because of how good Gonzaga is. But t- they kind of got ran in the second half, and that's what pissed me off. 
That's yeah. what that, when you don't really show fight in front of your home crowd against a West Coast opponent who you know where you have a chance to pick up this this big win. And the games are only going to get more difficult in the Pac-12. On the road to Oregon, I mean, I think that's a far more difficult place to play than Baylor is. Oh yeah, a better team than Baylor. Oh yeah. So and 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 Oregon's now clicking on all cylinders, especially after that win against Michigan on the road. So it, I'm just a little concerned right now about Arizona, and you know, you want you want them to be able to take care of business at. There used to be a time, a four year stretch, where Arizona took care of business at home, and now Gonzaga's kind of got their number. Oregon definitely has their number. So I'm just a little concerned about how they're going to perform moving forward. And that's why I was a little hesitant to jump on their bandwagon. I, I, I am completely understanding of that for sure. Uh, I, what gives me a little solace in all of this is that, and we've talked about this on this program before and Arizona, for some reason, cannot play from the under eight timeout in the second half to the under four timeout in the second half. That's exactly when that eight, like 16 to nothing run that Gonzaga went on. And then we score and then Arizona scores like 20 points in the last four minutes of the game. Same exact thing happened to Baylor. Although Baylor started off really hot in that game, Arizona kind of came all the way back and then gave up the lead again in that eight minute to four minute stretch. And I wonder, I'm not as good uh, as say maybe a college basketball coach at figuring out like the analytics it, behind that or the reason behind that, but that's clearly a problem. And I don't really, I, I don't, I don't quite understand it because the rest of the game, the team looks as good as every other team in the country until the under eight timeout hits. And then they look completely lost for four minutes. And then they look again like a really good team and after the under, which is good, you know, I guess, I guess at least they know how to Showed some, show, some sort yeah, of, pulp, they, yeah, like there's, there is fight there. I just don't quite understand. I don't know if there is a reason for it, you know, but that's clearly the problem this team is having right now. It's, it's just that four minute window, give or take that is kind of blowing these games uh, for them. And I'm not saying like blowing, obviously they lost to two ranked teams, you know, but same thing happened in that Wake Forest game. Same thing happened in that Pepperdine game. Uh, and same thing happened in that South Dakota State game. Those are the other close games that this team has played this year. And the same exact thing happened in all of those games. I think my biggest issue right now with Arizona is also just Arizona Twitter. Like I was seeing some tweets being like, well, they lost by a couple to the number two ranked team of the country. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I, if you want to be considered a national title contender, a final four contender, you win those games. You have to, or at least one of those games, you can't drop every single one of them. Right. right. So, and I'm not asking a team to win every single one of them either. It's not like Michigan's done that. Right. It's not like Oregon's done that, but you got right. to get one of these upcoming. And so that's why it's a, it's just, I, I kind of wish that they had ripped the bandaid off and just gotten one of these under their belt before conference play. Cause now it's only going to get tougher, like I had mentioned, and they have to start winning these games. Well, yeah, the 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 whole the hope was at least get the split here. So if you ha- if you got the split with Oregon during the conference play, it all would be good. You know, you would say, okay, this is a really good team, ceiling is high, you know, so on and so forth. Now Arizona almost has to beat Oregon twice to to get a really not good seed for the tournament and i i just do not anticipate that happening i cannot see 
this team as it currently stands beating. And I'm not saying Oregon's like the end all be all best team in the country. They, they, they could be given the, the nature of this college basketball season so far, but Arizona pretty much has to win both of those games to a win the PAC 12, which we knew, but B kind of get garner some national notoriety and a really good seed. Because at this point, the team in, in a, in a season where everybody is beatable, this team doesn't look any better than a fourth seed. And that's pretty much where they're sitting right now. It's 15th, 16th in the country, which, which is fine, which, you know, which, which is fine. We have a, you know, kind of Nico Mannion isn't as good as Cole Anthony going back to that discussion, but Nico is a guy that could take over a game and win a couple games in the tournament or in the conference tournament. So, you know, this team obviously isn't in danger of like missing the tournament or any of that bullshit. You know, it's, they're a really, really good team in a season that has a lot of, no great teams has a lot of good teams, mm-hmm. so I think that's what really we can. We're it's going to keep us afloat, though. Is that sure? Are there teams that are better than us or better than Arizona? Yes. How many are there really? Not very many, because the entire there's just just no great teams in college basketball as a whole. It, it's just a little unfortunate for us as Arizona fans that one of those teams that clearly is better than Arizona is Oregon. And also Gonzaga, actually, I would say too. Yeah. Where would you rate? Where would you rate now? UCLA has been down for years. ASU's never been good at basketball. Where would you rate Gonzaga as Arizona's rival? They're not their number one rival. It's always <laughs> going to be UCLA. Yeah, I feel like it's still UCLA, but number two. I mean, Gonzaga's, Gonzaga's gotten to a Final Four more recently. Played in a title game more recently. Beaten us more recently. Gonzaga's Gonzaga's the best team on the West Coast. And so that's one thing that Arizona's always prided itself on, either them or UCLA. And so I don't know if UCLA or Gonzaga ever play each other, but Arizona should consider those two for sure as as their rival. Nostalgia-wise, uh UCLA, but in terms of success, it's it's Gonzaga because the first half of this decade it was Arizona by going to those elite eights back to back. Second half of the decade, it was run by Mark Few and Gonzaga. So it's a very interesting rivalry right there uh arizona like you had mentioned clearly not in jeopardy of missing the tournament this team technically isn't in jeopardy anymore of missing the tournament they're fucking done they're completely dead buried and that's providence oh my god lost by 30 plus to florida and i i never really expected them to actually beat florida but they were in brooklyn so that's more of a home game for them than it is florida they're in brooklyn And they just don't even show up, man. They don't even show up. And apparently a fan basically (laughs) said, this sucks, Cooley, or you guys. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. And Cooley was like, word. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. (laughs) But I mean, and I, while I appreciate the self-awareness there by Cooley, it's like, dude, do your job. Like, it's not enough for you to just agree. You got to change it somehow. And that's, I mean, this team's quit. You got to think that at 500, again, six and six, 12 games into the season, losing by 30 plus to a, to a Florida team that's actually struggled. Both of these guys came into the season with some expectations, Florida, bigger expectations, but it's not like Florida has been world beaters. They kind of stink too. And Providence didn't show any sort of heart or pulse. And I'm mad because they're, they're doing my guy, the Providence crier dirty. Not because of his crier prophecy, which was garbage to begin with. I, I love your crier, but that was terrible. But because he's such a diehard fan, and Providence has a great fan base, and they're just not even showing up at all this year, and they're not going to make the tournament. No, they're just god awful. 
I mean, I was there was not a lot of uh, basketball on uh, night before last there, and at really the first couple of days of this week. And you're trying to watch that game, which should have been a you know leading into the season. It wasn't one of the best games of the season by any means, but you would have looked at that and been like, oh, okay, yeah, that'll be a pretty fun matchup. Couple you know top ten, top twenty five teams. And they're just tragically bad. I don't, I don't particularly understand why, but they are just horrific. I don't. I, I think, I, I think for Florida, you could chalk it up to chemistry issues, and I also don't think Mike White is that great of a coach. Providence, right. I just don't think they're trying, man. Yeah, I just no, think I, they've yeah, given yeah, up. That, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is you watch this team and you're like, uh, there's, there's nothing to like about this team at all. Shot, it, what did they shoot from three last night? Five percent, I think. Yeah. Right. That was a very Arizona showing of the, um, yeah, I, I, I feel bad because Providence, uh, really had, uh, you know, a, I, I don't, they weren't like the, they weren't favorites to go to a final four or elite eight or anything like that, but you could said, Oh yeah, you know, good year ahead for Providence, Ed Cooley, good coach, going to lead him back again. But this kind of goes back to our discussion last or episode or two ago. Ed Cooley's got to be laying awake at night being like, what the fuck did I do? You know, <laughs> like what, what an idiot, you know, I got, I had the opportunity to take one of the best jobs in the country, but I stayed here and now, you know, he's not on the hot seat or anything like that. Every coach is allowed a down year or two or whatever, but, but now he just puts more pressure that they have to be good next year. Cause if you have two bad years in a row at a quote unquote basketball school, like Providence, cause they got nothing else. You know, so I it, it's too bad for Providence fans and Ed Cooley. I I do I like Providence. I like when Providence is good. I, I like you know that that conference. Obviously, is a conference that I like a lot. Um, it's kind of underwhelmed from what our original thoughts were on the year as a whole because we had Providence slotted in there as a team to watch, and uh, they obviously haven't performed. And the conference is kind of I don't want to say the conference is down but they certainly haven't performed as well as I anticipated. So uh, definitely an, a hug for Providence fans out there because it's been a rough one, and I don't anticipate it getting any better. Not this year, at least. No, they're, no, they're no, done this year. no, because that team is just going through. It's it's not even January 1st, and that team is already going through the motions, just not doing, doing a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, going to be a long season up there in Providence. So they're dead, unfortunately, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's take a look at a game this upcoming weekend. I want to get your prediction? Ohio State versus Kentucky. Big tilt. Two of the better teams in the country. After Kentucky's kind of been lying under the radar after their Evansville loss mm-hmm. at home. All they've done really since then is take care of business. They're in the top ten, and they have they still have their explosiveness in Tyrese Maxey versus the methodical and senior laden or veteran laden team in Ohio State with the Wesson brothers who you got in this game, Ohio state versus Kentucky. You know, a couple, three, four weeks ago, I would have picked Kentucky. Uh, You know, Ohio state came off that loss. When is that game on Saturday? Ohio state came came off that is going to come off a loss. They did just win against the Southeast Missouri, central Northwest, Nigel Williams, Gosk Academy, whatever. Um, I think I'm going to go with Kentucky simply because uh, of what you were saying that they kind of just been laying under the radar. Nobody's been talking about them. I think this is where they kind of propel themselves back up. That's a prime time Saturday game, 
from Vegas. I think that's when um, they kind of propelled themselves back into the conversation as the best team in the country. And I really, I hate how this basketball season has gone in a way where like Kentucky who lost to Evansville and should have fallen so far, but everybody else just sucks too. So they, they could lose to Evansville and still make it back to potentially the number one team in the country. Like before the new year, that's wild that you could, that that could happen. And if, if they win this game, it's a complete possibility, really. Uh, you know, obviously it would take a couple other teams losing ahead of them, but they probably move up to number three if they win this game. Yeah, you know, uh, and what what a what a strange story that is that a team could lose to a no nothing Evansville team at home and still make it back to the top three in the country before the new year. It's pretty crazy, but I'm going to take Kentucky as well, actually, because this is Cal's dojo. This is his cathedral. This is his temple. His place of worship. This is what Cal does: late December games, neutral court uh, against. I don't want to say Ohio State's an inferior opponent, but when he's not going up against blue bloods like Kentucky or excuse me, like Carolina or Duke, he can beat a, a good Ohio state team. And this is where he kind of puts his mark back on college basketball and says, I'm, I'm back bitches. I think I actually <laughs> didn't go anywhere this year, but you had all kind of written us off. So I'm going to go with Kentucky here over Ohio state. Uh, I believe that's in Vegas, right? Yes, it is. The big man matchup is going to be fun. Wesson versus Nick Richards. I'm going to be looking forward to that quite a bit, but I'm going to take Kentucky. Um, you know, it's been strange, and I've seen a couple of the talking heads tweet about this this year, and I, I don't know, maybe we'll get your thoughts on it. Doesn't the cadence of when the games have come this year seem really strange? I mean, I'm trying. What do you, what do you mean about that? You, like on Monday, there was one Division One basketball game going on. Not top 25. Division one basketball, one game in like yeah. the whole country was going on. There's 351, I think, college basketball teams in the country. And why we don't have, it seems like I just remember as a monster college basketball fan that every single night I was able to at least find like a Presbyterian Wofford game at like 11 p.m. It's weird that we will go days at a time without a top 25 team playing, any top 25 team playing. Now, obviously, the year has been kind of strange where like, yeah, that Florida Providence game, for example, going into the season, you would have said, oh yeah, that's easily a top 25 matchup. It's not, but to me, it's just been weird. And, you know, let me plug the warm up daily newsletter, the daily newsletter that I do for sports every day. We have a what to watch section and I go and I roam around to find what's going on in each sport and what's on TV. And I'll go into college basketball sometime to, to type out what's on tonight. And there's literally, there's nothing. There's just nothing. I, 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 maybe it's because I do this newsletter now that I'm knowing that I'm noticing this more, but I, I just think it's weird that we don't have, it, it seems like we go days and days at a time without having like a decent college basketball match. Maybe that's why we think this year sucks and we're just not enjoying this year so far. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just seems like, it seems like I can't find a good game as easily as, as I, as, as previously uh, but I, I, that could be completely all me. But I have seen a couple people, uh, the talking heads of the world, tweet about this. So it wasn't just my thought alone here. Um, you know, like let's take Friday, for example. The only top 25 matchup on a Friday night 
in December is winless Central Connecticut at Penn State on a Friday night. Nothing. That, there's there's no football on. There's no there's no NBA on. There's not there's and we only have what and that's on Big Ten Network. If you want to watch that Central Connecticut matchup against Penn State, and that's just strange to me because that should be like a strong college basketball night, right? But, with nothing else going on. Hey, hug for yeah. Penn State, by the way. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're solid. Um, I, I don't know. It's just it just seems strange to me. Maybe someone else out there has noticed this and could tweet at us and l- let me know if I'm completely off base in this. But I mean, I, I'm looking at that and thinking to myself, there's got to be. There's got to be more going on in the world than just that. Obviously, the the next week is not going to be a good example of that because you got Christmas and the New Year after that and stuff. So uh, I, I, maybe we just need to get into conference play for the schedules to really kind of round out. Um, you know, I'm looking at kind of just broad or uh, looking ahead here. Yeah, even even the Monday and Tuesday after the Monday after New Year, there's not a ranked team. There's not a ranked team playing that night. There's not a ranked yeah. team playing on. I don't know. I just don't get it. Uh, there's not a ranked team playing Wednesday. There's not a ranked team playing Friday. It's really strange. It just seems like there's like where are these? Two? They, they got to be playing at some point somewhere. So where? Maybe are we'll just get backloaded. We're gonna have a shitload towards the second half. <laughs> yeah, of this then, then that's the problem. Then we're gonna have a Saturday where like everything's fourteen happening. games on at the same yeah. time, and it's all it's all ranked matchups. Well, right? that's why we put the reps in, though. No, no complaints. Uh, all right, let's round this out with some segments this week and feet and hugs. But before we do that, a quick message from the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, this week in feet. This week in theater in 2008, Steph Curry dropped 27 points and 10 assists in the Garden, defeating West Virginia when he was at Davidson. Steph Curry, man, uh, electric at Davidson. Obviously, this is this really goes without saying. But I was looking at his uniform that day. <laughs> you could have fit like 15 Steph Curry's in there. He was oh, yeah. drowning in that thing. How many do you think he would have had if he was playing in a uniform that fit him? I mean, do you remember those shorts? Maybe we should tweet this out. I'll give you permission to tweet this out. Remember those like extra large college basketball shorts that I had that I think everyone wore like our freshman, sophomore year, junior. I still got them, baby. I still got them too. I put them on the other day and they're a dress. They're ridiculous. And Steph was wearing those shorts. That I, I know that my performance just around the house doing dishes, laundry, it's, it hinders me. And that's just mundane activities. You know, I can only imagine, you know, the, the wind resistance you're getting as you're coming down the court when you have like balloon pants on or, and or, uh, a sail, so to speak, on your legs. Or just for someone as mobile as Steph just getting grabbed, there's so much jersey to grab. Oh, yeah, That'd be yeah. easy as hell if I was a defender. I don't know. That actually speaks to how great Steph Curry actually was and is. And then, of course, he went on to just destroy the Garden in a in his professional career as well. I think he dropped, what, 54 back in like 2013? Yeah, that was his uh, – in the game that they lost too. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so. Let me mention one more thing before we, uh, before we give some hugs. Uh, Speaking of teams that suck, Syracuse sucks this year too. Oh yeah, they're terrible. I feel like Bayheim's just completely given up. Okay, yeah. Speaking of teams that were that have given up, so sorry for throw for no, tossing that fine. in there. But it's weird that like this is probably the worst Syracuse team and worst North Carolina team we've seen in the last twenty years, and they're both happening at the same time. Right. Well, so the difference between Syracuse and Providence, for my money, is that I feel like Bayheim's just completely given up. 
I feel like the roles have been reversed. Bayham just doesn't get. He's like 90 years old, man. He's probably asleep. Literally, uh, this is going to be in poor taste. Might be asleep at the wheel. But <laughs> Bayheim and Bayheim like doesn't care. His players, I feel, do. Providence, I feel like Cooley gives a shit. He's still wearing three piece suits. He's still trying to make a statement, and his players don't. So yeah, sad sad times for Carolina. Syracuse and and Providence. Carolina is probably going to turn it around and be okay. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, there. Uh, here's what I'll say: They're of those three teams, they're the one that I have the most confidence in in having a decent season or salvaging the season. Bayheim, I feel like doesn't give a shit, yeah. and Providence doesn't care. Yeah, no. 100%. Give us so it, oh hug time, baby. This is going to be our last hug of the year. Wow. Well, you know, I'm I'm going to end on a pretty good note, I think. And uh, shout out to you for uh, tossing this one my way. Uh, my hug is for uh, Kyla. Excuse me. Let me get her name right. Kyla Nelson, uh, Pittsburgh uh, college basketball player. She just returned uh, yesterday or two days ago. First returned to the court after uh, her recovery from cancer. And she had surgery in October and uh, ended up practicing a week later, which is crazy. And uh, now it's finally made it all the way back to the court. Uh, so that's a pretty awesome story. Uh, like we talked about a couple times this year uh, with someone like, it's uh, the guy from Texas. Andrew okay. Jones. Andrew Jones. Yeah. Andrew Jones, kind of similar situation. So hug for Kyla and a uh, pretty awesome story. I guess Holly Rowe from ESPN surprised her before the game, uh, who's also a cancer survivor. So great little uh, story there before the holidays or leading into the holiday season. Wonderful hug there. My hug is actually going to be twofold. First of all, it's going to be to Gonzaga because they're going to get revenge on North Carolina tonight. That While we're recording this, it's before the game. But I think they're going to beat the absolute bag out of North Carolina in Spokane and get revenge on uh, what happened to the title game a couple of years ago. And then also my hug is to John John Rothstein because he's the most generous person <laughs> of all time. All right, I've probably given Rothstein the most hugs during this during this program's history than anyone else. But apparently there has been a report. I forget who. I'm not attributing it properly, so I apologize. But there's like some report that Rothstein says or texts good luck to like almost every major Division One college basketball coach before they play a game. Like there's photos of a text thread between him and Fran McCaffrey where he just says good luck, good luck, good luck, and they're spaced out by three or five, three to five days, which is when they play games. Fran McCaffrey, to no surprise, at, to no, to nobody's surprise, hasn't responded. He he probably doesn't even respond to his own players, let alone John Rothstein. But Rothstein saying good luck to everyone is just such an absurd and outrageous move that you can't help but love it. And I just want to know where he finds the time. And I had tweeted that. I was like, where the hell does Rothstein find the time between watching the games, reporting, tweeting what he tweets, and then avid follower and friend of the program, Jimmy McGinnis, had a great point. He said he sleeps in May. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, that's true. So John, thank you for being so generous. And to all the theater goers, thank you for listening. We wish you a very Merry Christmas and a happy holidays. This will be our last program before we come back next year. Enjoy the games this upcoming weekend and have a great holiday season.